You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Wednesday, starting the week's worth of podcasts here. Took a few days off. We're in the offseason after all. It's been a little bit of quiet period here for the Pelicans, but we had some news kick up today. We've got maybe an update on some of the front office additions the Pelicans want to do. I'll tell you all what that is, as well as David Griffin making a TV appearance on the jump. I'll give you a recap of what he said there as well. Then want to take a look at some news around the league. The Phoenix Suns made a big move, firing their head coach, going after a familiar name in Monty Williams. Also, are they going to be in the mix for Anthony Davis? I've got a listener question here that we're going to play from the Locked On Pelicans call-in line. And I'll give you that number later if you want to know how to call in. Get on the show as well. So let's dive into it in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. All right, so big news coming from the front office. Well, maybe not big news. It'll be big news maybe when it's made official, if it happens, though I've said I expect it to. And that's that Trent Redden, the assistant associate GM, whatever you want to call him, over for the Los Angeles Clippers, was in New Orleans this week, yesterday here, meeting with David Griffin as they look to see if there's a fit here in New Orleans for him, a role here in New Orleans for him, and to bring him into the Pelicans front office, likely as the GM of the team. This was confirmed by Andrew Lopez of the Times-Picayune and Scott Kushner of the New Orleans Advocate. So I think this is something that you're going to end up seeing happen. As I said, I think this is kind of a guy that David Griffin trusts, wants to bring in, who's steadily kind of going up the ranks in the NBA, which makes a lot of sense for him to get that GM title. You know, just because he's the third or fourth guy there in the Clippers, he makes the jump to number two. It's not you running your own team. But it gives you the chance to at least kind of show what you're able to do, make your mark on an organization, get a nice title, then get more money, and then maybe move on elsewhere to kind of be the man or just stay here for a little while, which is what it could be. So I expect this to get done. Scott Kushner also reported that David Griffin's got more meetings set up with the Pelicans incumbent staffers this week. And by the end of the week, we should have a better idea of what this front office is going to be looking like. Obviously, he's got some names in mind. He's going to probably be bringing some other ones in as well. Um, And from what I've heard, it's probably going to be a mix. It sounds like a lot of the guys in the front office feel pretty safe. Though I can tell you they had no idea that Dell Demps was going to be fired and they've always felt that they're going to be safe. And maybe that just comes with being here for so long. You know, originally when Dell Demps was fired, I heard it was going to kind of be cleaning house is as the phrase used. But, 
you know, it's up to David Griffin and it's not up to Gail Benson anymore or anyone else. It's David Griffin's show to run and maybe he wants to keep some of the people here. The other thing with it is, you know, maybe you need to keep some of these people through the draft, through free agency, and then maybe as you get closer to the start of the regular season, you let people go and bring in others because you need to have some sort of business continuity plan in place. And though they've been doing a lot of work all year and they'd leave that work here, the scouting reports, other things like that, you obviously don't want to kind of just have to start from scratch with the draft coming up in just two months. That's a lot. And David Griffin said it's a lot that they have to do as they plan for everything. So I expect some of the guys to stay. Maybe some will go. I think you'll also see a lot of people just get in, kind of have some redundancies, knowing that eventually their time's going to be limited here. And maybe they choose to move on while, you know, of their own volition, instead of maybe saying they were fired or let go, you can just resign, go find another job and say it's time to move on and take a new challenge. So I think we'll get a clearer picture of what's going to be happening here later in the week, though some areas I've heard they plan on bolstering, obviously the preventative medicine, the medical staff, all of that just all encompassing, I think is something that you're going to see get improved as well as the analytics. The Pelicans, I wouldn't say are behind the times on analytics, but they're certainly not at the forefront. They have some people there. They attend the Sloan conference. They actually do. Unlike that one time it was reported they didn't when they did. And, you know, I think it's just not as robust or cutting edge as some other teams around the league. And it's been improving steadily, but I think they're ready to really make an investment in that, which if you're an NBA nerd like me, sounds really damn cool. So I think that's going to be a good thing to see going forward from this team. So that's where everything stands on that front. And then in a moment, we'll talk about David Griffin going on the jump and what he said. So there's going to be a lot of changes coming, a lot of news about this Pelicans team in the near future with the lottery coming up, the draft after that, then free agency and a brand new regime running the show. Best way to keep up with all of it is, of course, to subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast Monday through Friday. You can do that with the brand new podcasting app Himalaya. Get your news, subscribe to the podcast, know what's going on with your favorite team. So download the Himalaya podcast app from your app store and subscribe to Locked On Pelicans. So new vice president of basketball operations, David Griffin, was on the jump ESPN's daily NBA show along with Rachel Nichols and Richard Jefferson talking about all things kind of Pelicans and his outlook for the coming future with it and was pretty insightful in a lot of this. And by the way, before we even dive into that, how refreshing is it to hear the guy who's running the basketball side of things for the Pelicans talking to the media multiple times so far now in his short tenure with New Orleans. He was on NBA TV, he was on Sirius Radio, he's now on The Jump, and he's been here basically less than a week and a half so far. Danny Ferry did a couple of interviews before games with Jen Hale, where he told her, ask me anything you want, and didn't put any stipulations on this. And this is after we have not heard much from Dell Demps over the past couple of years other than preseason media availability, and that's really it. So this is just a refreshing change of pace for New Orleans to have a little bit more transparency in how they're working. And I think that does a lot to make fans happy. So good on kind of this new outlook and new approach that they've taken. Though I think that's really just personality driven. So Griffin started talking about Danny Ainge because everyone just assumes that Anthony Davis is going to be traded to Boston. We know they're very, very interested in this. It's deal and getting something done. But Ainge has something of a reputation as a guy you don't want to trade that he's kind of hoodwinked a couple other teams, the Nets, the Cavs, and others. And 
I've talked to, I, I co-host the Wednesday edition of Locked on NBA with John Corrales, who's a beat writer for Mass Live covering the Celtics, lifelong Celtics fan, and also the host of the Locked on Celtics podcast. And I asked him about this, like when the Anthony Davis trade demands were, were thrown out there. I said, like, are they really going to include Jason Tatum? And he goes, of course. If that's what, if they want Anthony Davis, they'll put Tatum on there and almost no one's going to be untouchable. And part of it, he, he thinks, is that Ainge doesn't hoodwink teams. It's not like he Jedi mind tricks them into bad deals. It's just these trades have kind of worked out in his favor with hindsight. And it's true. I think the deal with the Nets, the one that sent KG, Ray, uh, maybe it wasn't Ray Allen and others there, kind of worked out a little bit better than he was expecting. They fell off a cliff the next year, which is kind of a Patriots-minded way of th- doing things where sell high on a guy, knowing that you're going to start getting diminishing returns, though you don't expect it to be that fast. The other deal with the the Boston Celtics and the Cleveland Cavaliers for Kyrie Irving, the Celtics were are not Celtics, sorry, Cavs were already at a disadvantage with a public trade request. It can do some damage there, and they just needed to get a deal done. And unfortunately, that hip injury for Isaiah Thomas wound up being far worse than what people were expecting it to be. But he goes in trying to make a, a good trade and get things done and sometimes it just has worked out in his favor sooner rather than later you even look at the trade with Philadelphia that got them the number one overall pick no one expected this stuff going on with Markel Fultz this is so out of the ordinary that some of this is just kind of luck on Ainge's side David Griffin who's worked with him when Ainge was the head coach in Phoenix uh, have a reputation where basically Griffin said, you know, we can kind of cut through all the BS and just really talk and talk about what the situation is and find potentially the best deal if there is one to be made. And they have that relationship where they can kind of say, screw all this other stuff. Let's just talk about the core of the subject here. And he feels that could help him. So just bringing him in alone with that maybe helps get a deal done. But I think this is a little bit overblown that, Danny Ainge is just kind of ripping other teams off. He then talked about Anthony Davis, basically reiterated that he thought he could maybe get Anthony Davis to stay. And he put in ownership into this one too, basically saying that, you know, he wouldn't have come here if it wasn't for the fact that Gail Benson is really committed to winning and Anthony Davis wants to win. And based on the situation before when it seemed this team wasn't committed to winning, he could understand why Anthony Davis really would want out. But now that that's all changed and their goals are aligned, which is winning AD's goals, the organization's goals, maybe that can kind of alleviate some of the problems that they've had. He also said the That's All Folks t-shirt was maybe just alluding to Space Jam 2. And that's really it, which again, silly, but what's he supposed to say here other than to defend the guy on the team that he is running? Because Anthony Davis is still here. He then touched more on Gail Benson, and this is kind of what really brought him to New Orleans, to be lockstep in ownership and to have an owner that's willing to kind of put forth the bandwidth and the capacity to do what they need to do to make this an attractive organization for everybody and also a winning organization. He's really reiterated this point many, many times. The Pelicans have themselves been on a bit of a PR blitz in making Gail Benson look like a very good owner. And I said, I've been skeptical on this till we see it. Hiring David Griffin and giving him kind of the, the decision-making power and the capacity to do what he wants 
is a is kind of that show me action and i'm starting to believe this more again we might need a little bit longer on it but they've done a good first job and gail benson really does seem committed to running and winning here in new orleans and david griffin really aligns with that and that's kind of a big big thing for him he then also finally talked about what we really talked about in the beginning of the podcast here they're going to just get people in and they'll figure out titles and just get people in that are kind of aligned with their goals. Good people who are aligned with their goals, the right people who are aligned with their goals and kind of see where it takes them. And then they can kind of settle on job titles or use job titles to get people into the organization to try and make this a winning team. Trent Redden obviously being a name here, though didn't mention him specifically. So that was David Griffin on the jump on Tuesday talking all things New Orleans Pelicans with Rachel Nichols of ESPN. So before looking around the league at some of the things going on here, particularly with the Phoenix Suns, don't forget the NFL draft is here on Thursday, if you're not going to watch Avengers Endgame, which I'll be doing instead, and if you want to know all things Saints with the NFL Draft, and I'm going to need to because I'm not going to watch it live, even though they might not have a pick, but what are they going to do in the later rounds? The Locked on Saints podcast is the absolute way to go. Ross Jackson holding everything down that you need to know about that. So he's going to be covering it from the beginning, the end, and all the way through the middle, I'm sure. So make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked on Saints podcast. So the Suns are being the Suns again, proving they are the most dysfunctional NBA team in the league. At least James Dolan spends money. The Suns are just as bad as them and cheap, which is never a good thing to be here in the league. So they have fired their head coach, Igor Koskosov, after one season. He hasn't even been there for a full calendar year. That's how kind of dysfunctional they are in general. So fired along with all I believe his assistants and player development personnel. And I'm sorry if the audio is being weird on this podcast because for whatever reason, my program wants to adjust automatically on me the recording volume. So it's I'm kind of fired. It here. So, a little peek behind the scenes of what goes on. So, with that in mind, their number one guy that they're looking to get is Monty Williams, who's also kind of on the radar for the Los Angeles Lakers as well. A guy who, as much as we kind of like him in hindsight now, was a guy we were still very excited to see gone here in New Orleans. A guy who has a sub 500 record as head coach. I don't know if I would call that particularly exciting or successful. But he looks like he might be an option for Phoenix if L.A. doesn't really make a move on him sooner rather than later. And this invited a question from a listener. Didn't leave his name. You got to do that when you hit the call-in line. By the way, the number to the call-in line, 504-321-0448. That's 504-321-0448. Give me a question you want answered here on the podcast. Become part of the show. It's an easy way to do it. It also makes it a little bit easier on me during the podcast, especially in the summer when we kind of have a lot of slower things. So again, that number is 504-321-0448. So let's play the question. What up, Jake? So the Phoenix Suns just fired their head coach and according to somebody, the expert, the big world they're going to go after Monty. So to me, that sounds like they're going to go after AD. And they do have the number three pick right now in the draft. I think they have two first-rounders next year and the year after that. Plus, they have a ton of young guys on the team right now. So what do you think? They're going to be real players. 
So again, appreciate the question. Even if we don't have a name there for whoever it was that left that again, the number is 504-321-0448. So first and foremost, the Phoenix Suns again are dysfunctional and they're going to be the Phoenix Suns. And until Sarver stops acting like whatever the hell it is you want to call him and it's fine, almost whatever you want to call him. Not a whole lot is is going to change there. This is kind of a top-down thing. And if they do bring in Monty Williams, are they going to be, you know, in the AD running? And, you know, just because Monty Williams has a history with Anthony Davis doesn't mean that he's going to necessarily want to trade for him or that AD is going to want to play for him. There is some friction there, to be honest. And again, there's a reason Monty Williams was out of New Orleans after making the playoffs when he thought he was going to get a contract extension. So I think that's a bit of an issue for everything in the first place. But also, you know, I don't see AD wanting to re-sign there, giving up this potential top lottery picks eight somewhere in the top four plus one or two of their young guys for Anthony Davis on what might be a one-year rental is a big risk. And look, you know, so I think that's kind of a a lot to give up when you're not necessarily even going to have him for that one year to compete for a title. You know, if you were the the Denver Nuggets who came so close or the Toronto Raptors and came so close, maybe you mortgage the future on a one-year run with Anthony Davis, hoping that'll convince him to resign. But when he wins 20-something games, 30 games next year in Phoenix, it's likely not going to happen. So I think that kind of just precludes them from it. Maybe it makes them a player in some other free agent or guy on the trade block that you want to kind of make a move for because you just have too many pieces, too much young talent there in Phoenix. But you also don't know if some of it's going to work out. And it's they're probably better suited for going with an approach closer to the Philadelphia 76ers where you just trust the process, keep accumulating those assets till you start going on a playoff run, then maybe flip a couple of them for that stud star player. But right now, no. You know, they're the Suns. They're going to make wrong moves. They continue to make wrong moves. I'm not worried about them whatsoever. As much as I kind of like Devin Booker, and that dude's a stud scorer, uh, but doesn't give you a ton else. You know, I just don't see a natural fit there for Anthony Davis. And with him not really wanting to re-sign, I think that's going to be an issue. Hopefully they get some of this right because it's basically not fun having, you know, one team in the league be so bad that they're guaranteed wins and they don't really factor into anything. Not good for the NBA as a whole. They're a bit of a mess, but we'll see. Also of note, teams that are still a mess. Los Angeles Lakers now looking at Jason Kidd interviewed him, I think, on Monday for their head coach position. Those apparently he's not going to be a super serious candidate, but still he's an under 500 head coach. Monty Williams is under 500 as a head coach. You've got Juwan Howard, who's assistant coach on Miami, who they're going to interview as well. And then Ty Lue. Ty Lue is basically the only guy with head coaching experience that is above 500 of that group. Nice list of candidates there, Lakers. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow. 